Dave, why don't you come up now? And Peter, you're coming to read the Bible to us too. So many of you will recognize Dave, Dave Van Vuren. He's married to lovely Sue, who's over here. Um, Dave and Sue are life group leaders here. But you might recognize him on a Sunday morning because he leads our host team. So if ever you've looked for a chair or wondered how to open the windows, Dave is your man um, trying to make all the practical stuff happen here. Um, Happens once a month. We have some other brilliant host team leaders as well. I can see you around, so thank you. Um, Dave, come forward a little bit. So Dave's been part of the church here on and off for longer than we have, but you'll tell from his accent in a minute that he's South African. So you've been back with us for about 18 months, maybe? Yeah, it's about 18 months. Great, okay. And Nigel and I were in a life group with Dave last year, and Peter, coincidentally, actually. And so we got to know him and Sue a little bit more then. And so I just want to commend him as a guy (laughs) who loves Jesus and who loves the Bible. And we had... A lot of laughter in our life group when we were doing it online, but also we dug deep into what the Bible had to say to us. And so he's a great person to be speaking to us this morning. Thanks, Joe. Peter needs it. Thanks. So, morning, guys. Um, Before we start, I'm going to pray um, because it's um, that kind of day where I think that I'd rather you hear from God than from me. So, um, maybe, guys, just extend and your hands towards me and and pray with me as I ask God to lead me. So Father, let your spirit come and let your kingdom come in this place, Lord. I pray that um, your fire would fall down on this place as as we delve into your word and we learn about you and, and your will for our lives. So Lord, let your kingdom come. Bless us, prepare our hearts. And Father, I know that the children upstairs are, are learning about sowing seeds. And, and Lord, I pray that as we hear your word, to today that these seeds of your word will, will fall in fertile ground, Lord, and, and find great roots and, and develop. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. And um, God, I pray for an excitement for your word and um, that we can express your love um, after today because of what we've learned. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we, we, we're going to be talking over the next few weeks about... Um, some of the stuff that leads into Easter and uh, the, the book of Isaiah um, in chapter 53 is a, a prophetic uh, chapter in the book about Jesus coming. And um, so we're going to talk about Isaiah 53, but actually I'm going to talk about the New Testament too and some of the reflections between the two. So if you have a Bible or you've got the Bible app on your phone, um, we're going to be going through that quite a lot today, so be prepared. Um, it's quite scripture thick, I hope, anyway. Um, go to Isaiah chapter 53. I'll give you a moment to get there. And uh, Peter's going to read for us because she reads a whole lot better than I do. Um, and maybe you'll understand her better because she doesn't have this African accent. And, and just while we're talking about African accents, and, and I'm remembering that it's, it's Mother's Day. And uh, while you guys are going there, I'll tell you a quick tale about my mum and her looking after three boys in Africa. Um, we, we, we grew up in a relatively rural place, and I reckon I was you know, nine or ten years old. And my two brothers and I decided that we were going to collect snakes. <laughs> and uh, so we, we, we made these like, you know, milk tub kind of things where we thought we'd store the snakes, and, and one day we went out and we actually found quite a few snakes. And, and one of them was uh, our prized South African egg eater. It's a, it, was a, it was a juvenile egg eater. And uh, one afternoon, we, we got home from school, 
and the egg eater had made his way out of the, the container that we had for him, as, as snakes do, you know, snakes escape. And that evening we heard my mom, we had a courtyard where she stored her potatoes and our onions and, and some of the fruit and veg. And this almighty scream came from my mom. And this egg eater had found his way into the potatoes. And we were just so thankful that our mom had found our snake. <laughs> okay, Peter, maybe you can read Isaiah 53 for us. Please follow on. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, but as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Peter. Perfect. I'll make sure that the camera gets me. Okay, so Isaiah. It's a part of a series of prophetic books. The book of Isaiah is 66 chapters and uh, somewhere between 700 and 800 years before Christ. 
You know, depending on which commentator you read, um, it's a long time before Jesus arrived. And um, when, when I go through my commentaries, the, the commentary that I have on, on Isaiah is by a guy called Alex Mortier, and man, it's, it's, a, it's a proper book. We, we, we could talk about Isaiah for a year, maybe more. There's a lot in it. But fundamentally, Isaiah is talking about the coming Christ. He's talking about uh, you know, what it's going to be like. You know, the, the, he's, he's, he's got this like thin red line, which is like you know, the, the thread of Christ through Scripture. It's, it's, it's all the way through Isaiah's book. He talks about social justice, looking after the poor and the needy. So he's there, you know, and Isaiah maybe is not as crazy as some of the other prophets who called down, you know, bears to, to eat children because they, you know, mocked him because he was bald like his, um, it was Ezekiel, you know, or walked around in, in, in ragged clothing, perhaps like John the Baptist did. He was part of the royal family and had access to kings and was able to speak into the lives of kings. So that's where, you know, the, the, just in terms of the picture of where this is in Scripture, is this guy had access to kings and was able to speak into the lives of kings and, and help kings, you know, make the right decisions. And when, when Nigel and Joe invited me to speak this week and I started reading the Scripture and I read it a few times, read it a few times, there was just this headline, which is in the, the first verse, which is, Who has believed? And, and what might that mean for us as a congregation? And, and my assumption is, you know, being part of this church for a while is, is most of us are saved. If you're not saved, I'm really hoping that this message will speak to your heart today. If you are saved, I'm still hoping that this message will speak to your heart today. But the context of the idea of the, the audience that I'm speaking to today is, is you are mature Christians, trusting in Christ, living in faith. And I'm going to try and get you guys to press in a little bit more. So who has believed? You know, in this passage of Scripture, Isaiah is speaking to, to and speaking of the Jews who, who might, when Jesus arrives, not believe. When I ask this question of who has believed, perhaps I'm challenging you, have you believed? And if you believe, what do you believe? And what does that look like in life? I'm going to take you guys to a New Testament passage of Scripture, which is in Acts. It's Acts chapter 8. And if you could go there, it's at Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. Yesterday, when I, when, yesterday evening when I, I told my, my daughter Sarah that I was going to use this passage of Scripture, she said to me, what's special about it? Well, I said there's a teleportation in the scripture, and she went, that's my favorite superhero. You know, she wants to be like that guy in a, is a jumper that just teleports from one end of the world to the other. In this passage of scripture, there's a, a strange line at the end where, where Philip is just teleported, perhaps, we don't know, maybe something's lost in translation, but certainly as we read it, it seems like that. And these are the kind of things that if if you have a family, you know, who you want to get into Scripture, thanks, Kat, if you, you have a family and, and you want them to get into Scripture, find things that are exciting, you know, things that perhaps you don't expect. The idea that in this passage of Scripture, a man is transported instantly from one place to another, that's weird, but it's interesting, and it's cool, 
all at the same time. But this passage of scripture is really about Isaiah 53 and belief. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it for a little bit. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Actually, I'm going to stop there. Philip is in a place where the blessing of God is on him. And he's staying in that place where the blessing of God is on him. But the angel of the Lord comes to him and says to him, go to the desert. It seems counterintuitive that you would leave a place of blessing and go to the desert. But when the Lord speaks to you and tells you to go to the desert, you go to the desert. Now this man was a Jew. Philip was a Jew who knew the passages and the scriptures of the Old Testament, but yet he was believing in a different way. So Philip packs his bags, if he had bags, I don't think he did, but anyway, he gets on the road down towards Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran, see that's for you. Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up in and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a lamb, sorry, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was depraved of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns he reached until he reached Caesarea. So there's the bit in the end which I think is quite cool. It's a little invitation for you to perhaps go and find out a little bit more. Azotus was around 20 miles away from where Philip was. Um, you know, was he teleported or was he just suddenly like, you know, I need to get out of here, don't worry about coffee, I'm just going. You know, we don't know. But there's, there's a whole batch, bunch of stuff going on over here. The, the, the idea of who has believed is important. It's important for us to recognize, do I believe? You know, I've asked myself this question is, do I believe? And if I believe, what do I believe in? And if I believe in that, 
What does that mean? These are really all important questions. So Philip, who was a Jew, the scripture says that he wouldn't have believed, or some wouldn't have believed. You know, Isaiah says, who has believed? And you know, they're talking about you know, Jesus. And, and for, for all intents and purposes, the Jews didn't expect the Messiah to, to be bloody and, and, and burdened and, and put on a cross and die. They were expecting some kind of king, a political hero, to be their Messiah. They didn't expect to, to have someone come along who would have been nailed to a cross, who would have bled out for us. But part of God's plan was that that was required for us to be reconciled to him. So for, for me, this whole idea of who has believed and, and what Philip does is Philip standing almost in, in a unique place at the time where he has to believe in something that he's hearing from someone. So he then goes and finds this eunuch, and the eunuch is reading the Old Testament. And Philip tells him this good news of Jesus. And something happens in the heart of the eunuch, in the Ethiopian. Something happens where he goes, I believe. When he learns and he understands what that prophetic utterance was, and then he hears of Jesus, whom Philip has now heard of, something happens in the heart of the Ethiopian where he goes, I believe. And driving down the road in the chariot, the eunuch volunteers and he says, I need to be baptized. He orders the chariot to be stopped and he gets baptized. And baptism was a way of recognizing who Christ is for us. Now on Easter Sunday, a few weeks time, we'll be holding baptisms here. And if you haven't been baptized, we'd love to invite you to be baptized. If you'd like to find out more, please come speak to Nigel, Joe, myself, or any one of the other leaders to find out more. It's an important part. It's a part where we just in front of others declare our faith in Christ and what he's done for us. You know, in, in preparing for this, I started to think about, Sue and I had a conversation, we were driving in the car the other day, and, and, and if, I believe in, if I believe in God and, and Jesus and Christ died on the cross and, and redeemed for me, what did that look like? And, and where have I done that in my life? Where have I, I challenged my faith in such a way to recognize all of this? And I'm going to tell you something that happened to us. In, in 2020, Sue and I went to, to Italy we, were in, we went there to, to Milan for Valentine's Day. And uh, we went skiing up into the mountains for a few days, and we were on the aeroplane back to, to London. And as we landed in London, we'd heard that that whole region of Lombardy, where we were, was the area where the COVID had really come to play. And, and you know, we, we didn't know, were we supposed to go into lockdown? Were we not supposed to? You know, were we supposed to isolate? No lockdown at that point. You know, isolate or not. And... Uh, Sue went back to South Africa, and I followed shortly after. And we went into lockdown in South Africa. My business has always been in the UK. So I couldn't travel yet. And soon after, I realized, we, we were told that all the, the showrooms that, that I trade with all closed. And perhaps there was an issue in terms of my income. 
and what that might look like and what it might be. And, and Sue and I had a conversation and we decided we were going to stand in faith that God would bless us, that, that we would believe that as, as sons and daughters of God, that we were, you know, that death and pestilence, as, as Psalm says to us, would, would pass to our left and our right and we would just go straight through all of it. So we continued to tithe. In fact, what we did was we, we really enforced tithing as a central part of who we were. And that was in, in March of 2020. Two years down the road, we had March 2022. You know how faithful God has been to us? I didn't have a small business. Our business is not a small one. It's doubled, literally doubled in size in two years. It took courage and, and, and real faith from Sue and I to stand in that position at that time, not knowing if we would have an income or not. God is faithful. So what I'm challenging you to do, it might not be about money. It might not be about tithing. But what I'm doing is I'm challenging you in terms of your faith. If you believe, if you really believe in this God that we're talking about, what changes? What changes for you? What are the things that you're going to be doing differently? Who are you going to be speaking to? Are you going to be like Philip, approaching someone about God? Are you going to step out into that role? What about the good news? You know, is there's this idea of good news. And you carry on in the scripture is there's this bit of scripture in Isaiah that says, the punishment that brought peace, the punishment that brought Peace on, uh, you know, the patient that brought us peace was on him. I think that's one of the slides there, chatting. The, it's just, it's, it's one line. And when I read it, I think my heart was broken again. The idea that the peace that I have is because of Jesus. That's this good news that, that uh, Philip was speaking of when he spoke to the, the Ethiopian. In Ephesians 2, it goes on like this. It says that, Remember that at a time you were separate from Christ. Could you even contemplate being separate from Christ? What that might be like? Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you were once far away and have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is that good news. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside his flesh, the law, with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we, were, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. This good news of Jesus reconciles us to God. Without it we are lost, like the, the lost sheep that is spoken of in Isaiah. So if this good news reconciles us to God, what is it that you believe? 
Are you believing that you have God's ear when you pray? Because once you were distant, distant from him, but now you are near because you believe. So if you believe, do you trust that you have God's ear? And then if you trust that you have God's ear, do you trust that he will move? This whole idea has to be built up in us. It starts with that whole idea of what do I believe? And then move through those different phases of what it might be for you. And the last bit of this passage of Scripture in, in Isaiah that, that really spoke to me, it says, For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And Nigel and I, when, when we met just to talk about this, I said, I used the word transgressors, and, and Nigel went, what a hard word. What a strange word. What does it mean? And well, we're the transgressors, first of all. We're the sinners. And boy, do we need this Christ. So we have to recognize who we are in this passage of Scripture so that we can believe, so that we can change and trust. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 23, are you guys starting to see how in Isaiah there's this passage of Scripture, but then there's so much. I'm just using, I've got three passages from the New Testament here. But there's so many passages of Scripture in the New Testament that collaborate this prophetic utterance or this prophetic writing of, of Isaiah 700 odd years before Jesus, you see the prophecy coming true and these men speaking of that prophecy as it has come to pass in their time in the New Testament. There's more. There's more than just what I've, I'm reading through today. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 23, <clears throat> excuse me, when they hurled the insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The bit over here is by his wounds, you have been healed. By his wounds, you have been healed. You know, in, in Christianese, it's normally by his stripes. You know, there's another passage of scripture that says that. In, you know, by his stripes, you've been healed. What does that mean? What does that mean? What healing is being spoken of over here? I think it's a spiritual healing, first of all. It's a spiritual healing, first of all, in terms of our reconciliation with God. That, that division that existed between us and God has been healed 
It's been reconciled. There's that healing that occurs where we can get on our knees and say, thank you, Father, for what has happened to me on that cross. But for sure, it's also talking of physical healing and that through Christ, we can have the Holy Spirit and be expectant to see physical healing in those that we love. And today, when, you know, when, when we finish the, the talk, is I'd love to invite you for either one of those things, whether it be physical healing or spiritual healing, because you, know, you, you feel perhaps distant from God, is for you to come and, and, and receive prayer, that, that we can pray that the Spirit ignites His desire for Him again in your hearts. And if there's physical healing required, and you want prayer for it, we'd love to pray for you, because we, I believe that God still heals. I want to take this opportunity this morning as we, we're going to do communion. And um, perhaps a little bit differently to normal. Has everyone got one of these? If you've not got one, Jim and his team will walk around and, and share this with you. I'm not going to direct you at all in any way, shape, or form, except to say to you that the likelihood is that you've taken communion loads of times before. And it may not always be something that you do with the right kind of heart and, 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 and thought. I, I truly hope that it is. But the idea today is, as you take communion in your own time, is for you to challenge yourself in terms of what you believe. Do you believe really in your heart Jesus dying on the cross for you, his blood poured out for you, that you can be reconciled with God? And then what that might look like for you going forward is that if you were to set that as a foundation in your life, what that might look like for you, does that secure you? And if it secures you, what does it cause you to do? So I'm going to pray, and then in your own time, please take communion and, and, and just spend some time with God. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessings. And Lord, as we, as we take communion today, remind us, Lord, of what we believe and what that might look like for us individually. Help us to set our hearts straight, Lord, and, and to trust in you with all that we are. So Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in this place. In Jesus' name.
just a my heart is this morning is for for people ready to step out in faith to take courage in, in their belief If, if you're here this morning and you, you, you need to step out in faith into something, we'd love to pray for you. Perhaps today is a day where you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time. But you haven't done that yet, but as Dave spoke, in the same way that that Ethiopian eunuch, something just made a connection inside him. And if that's true for you today, we would love to pray with you too as you start your journey with Jesus today. So can I invite us all to stand together? God is here. His Spirit's with us. And the challenge and the response is for each of us and may well be different for each of us. I'm going to invite you, if you are somebody who would like to say yes to Jesus for the first time or somebody who wants to take a step of faith like Dave's been saying, then why don't you just come to the front now? We have some people from our life groups who are here to pray. And sometimes actually making a physical step out is a way of showing our, reminding our, our brains that we're actually doing something. Well, this isn't just a moment just to pass by, but a moment we're actually going to step out and do something to acknowledge what God is saying to us. So we've got time before we pick up the kids. If you'd like us to pray for you, why don't you come forward now? in a life group it'd be great if you come and pray with some ladies and some men if you'd like to respond why don't you come forward too thank you and perhaps if you're watching at home today you need to respond too perhaps this is a moment for you to say yes to Jesus for the first time or maybe where you're sitting at home or you're listening to this in the car you feel challenged about stepping out in faith. And so, Lord, we ask that you would come and meet with each one of us. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for your presence with us. Thank you for your power here. And we just joined with the disciples, some of whom said, God, we do believe, would you come and help our unbelief? So Lord, we pray for courage now and confidence in who you say we are. Would you have another couple of guys to come forward and pray, please? So if you're not engaging God, with God specifically, why don't you come? If you're in one of our groups. But if you are engaging with God, that's great. 
thank you for your presence, Lord, more of what you're doing. Bless what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. There's still time. Thank you. And Dave also talked about physical healing. We believe that God heals today, so if you've got some kind of need for physical healing, why don't you come and join us at the front as well? There's nothing magic about being here, but sometimes it's just easier to see who would like someone to pray for them. So if you've got a pain in your body or some kind of condition, yeah, just come forward now. It's a good time. And again, we could do, if you're in a life group, love you to, to be able to come and pray unless you're engaging with God yourself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Lord, we just ask for more of what you're doing. We love your presence with us. Thank you, Lord.